the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know a place where we can go. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs, a local community faith program from 100.7. The Word. And welcome to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. I'm your host today, Chris Gould. I serve as the senior vice president and also general manager here for Salem Media Group. Delighted to have in the studio one of our daily programmers, Rabbi Kurt Schneider is in the studio all the way from Columbus, Ohio. Rabbi, great to have you at The Word. Great to be here, my friend, and it's an honor to be able to broadcast the gospel through the airways in the station or with your station. It really, it really is an honor to have you on, and as I told you at dinner last night, I personally have an opportunity to listen to your broadcast almost every night. Now, you're on at 6.30 to 7 p.m., daily half-hour teaching program, connecting really the Old Testament to the New Testament. You're a Jewish Christian, and for some, those two words don't even go together. So why don't we just start with that as an opener. You're a Jewish Christian. Explain to us, what, how can that be? Yeah, it's really interesting. It's kind of like comparing apples to oranges. Being a Christian, biblically speaking, is a decision that one has to make to follow the Christ— which is the Greek word for the Mashiach, which means the anointed one. So to become a Christian or a follower of Jesus the Christ, one makes a personal decision to do that, whether one is a Jew or a Gentile. Mm -hmm. Being Jewish is about a genealogy. It's about being a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Actually, the first followers of Jesus were all Jews, Right. So the phenomenon of being a Jewish Christian is really the first form of being Jesus' disciples. So when people say, how can you be a, a Jew and a Christian? It doesn't make sense. It's like an oxymoron. In reality, they're not understanding that being a Christian is a decision that one makes to follow the Christ, Yeshua. And that is the same whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. What I've just loved is learning through your teaching. What You've got such a tender gift of sharing the scriptures in such a way that if I am a Gentile and I've become a Christian and I have no idea, I've never even considered connecting a Jewish Christian together, you you bring me along. You actually walk me through the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it makes so much sense when I'm listening to your teaching, you're so gifted. Um, h- how did you get to this point that you've been able to develop this beautiful marriage between the Old Testament and the New Testament and sharing the Scriptures the way you do? Well, I first of all, just want to give God all the glory and say it really is a gift. It really is a gift. And I think that when I, when, when I, when I look back at my life and understand 
the gifting that's on me and and the anointing that the Lord has placed on this ministry. I think, number one, I was fortunate to grow up in a very verbal community. So the Jewish community is a verbal community. We, 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 we communicate, we talk around the table. So my communication gift was developed even as a young person. Mm-hmm. And then as uh, time went on, and in 1978, the Lord supernaturally revealed himself to me, and I became a follower of Jesus— he just put in me from the very beginning um, a huge appetite for the Word of God. And I think one of the reasons for that is I knew that God was real when he revealed himself to me. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when Jesus said in, in John 8, if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. I believed it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't about me following some religion. I wasn't looking to be a good churchman. Mm-hmm. I was looking to experience the realities that Jesus said we could experience in him victory and joy and peace and power and soundness of mind. And then I looked at the way that Yeshua handled himself with such authority and such elegance and power. And the scripture says, as he was in this world, so also now are we. So I have had just a huge um, quest in my heart to go after Jesus with the goal being to experience him, to become like him, to be Mm. transformed to his image. So I'm motivated. Mm. Because I believe it's the truth. I believe the Word of God is living and active, and that it's the truth. Mm. That's the voice of Rabbi Kurt Schneider. He is the host of a daily radio program heard right here on 100.7 The Word. It's titled Discovering the Jewish Jesus. It's on at 6.30 to 7 p.m. every night here on The Word. It's so beautiful to just even hear you share your passion as we had dinner last night, <clears throat> you know, as you as you shared a little bit about your testimony, it's so encouraging. It's so exciting to see where God has taken you from and where he has placed you in this ministry. Discovering the Jewish Jesus is growing by leaps and bounds, and it's basically a teaching ministry and you've kept it very simple on purpose. You told me last night yeah. there are a lot of other kind of areas of ministry you could pursue, but you've really focused in on the teaching and preaching of God's Word. And I believe the power is in the proclamation of God's Word, which is exactly what you're doing. Yeah, I think a lot of times, Chris, the most transformative truths are simple. I call it simple but profound truth. I mean, let's take the most basic truth we could proclaim as a believer. God loves you. Mm. I mean, that's just like we hear that so often it goes off our back like water off a duck's back. But let me ask you a question. How many of us have really comprehended the depths of the Father's love for us? Well, Scripture talks about, you know, we don't know the depths and breadth and width and height of God's love. Yeah, It's hard to even comprehend, and it says so even in Scripture. But you're right. From a practical point of view as a believer, have I really internalized that God loves me and God loves you, friend, as you're listening right now on the radio? That is a profound truth. Yeah. You know, Jesus said, I stand at the door of your heart and knock, and if any man opens the door, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. We've oftentimes, those of us that have been believers for a while, have heard that scripture in reference to a salvation call or an altar call where we're inviting somebody to receive Jesus for the first time. And that's true. But, you know, that statement 
that he's standing at the door and knocking is something that's happening every single day Mm. in his people's lives, that he's wanting to come in deeper and deeper so that we partake of him and invite him in in the minutest details of our life, what we're struggling with, what we're thinking about, the decisions that we're making, what we're experiencing. A lot of times we live a life in which we believe in him, but we aren't really bringing him in fully to fellowship with us in, in, in our journey, in our struggle, in our thoughts, in our confusion, in our pain. So the love of God and the depths to which Jesus wants to come in and live our lives with us is profound. What a beautiful truth. Thank you so much for sharing that. Friend, if you're listening, you might be wondering, who is that? That is Rabbi Kurt Schneider, and uh, he's the host of a program heard right here on 100.7 The Word, every day, Monday through Friday, 6.30 to 7 p.m., Discovering the Jewish Jesus. And that's the website as well. If you'd like more information, you can go to discoveringthejewishjesus.com. We've got about a minute and a half before our first break. I want to just um, also just commend you as I, as I think about my own journey and as I'm learning more and more about the connection between the Old Testament and the types and shadows of the Old Testament, they were pointing toward Messiah, towards Jesus, and towards his coming. And you've written an amazing book, Messianic Prophecy Revealed, Seeing Messiah in the Pages of the Hebrew Bible. When we come back, I want to dive into this book and just talk a little bit more about that connection because you've done such a wonderful job in in laying it out for us in this new book. Again, Messianic Prophecy Revealed. So if you're in traffic, good. Uh, if you're at uh, in the driveway, hang on. <laughs> There'll be more with Rabbi Kurt Schneider. Uh, Again, the host of Discovering the Jewish Jesus, heard every weekday evening, Monday through Friday, 6.30 to 7 p.m., right here on 100.7 FM, The Word. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word. And welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. I'm your host today, Chris Gould. And uh, in the studio with Rabbi Kurt Schneider. Um, uh, Rabbi, you just wrote this new book, Messianic Prophecy Revealed, Seeing Messiah in the Pages of the Hebrew Bible. Um, I guess my first question is, I, I know you've got an insatiable appetite for God's Word, but but why this book and why this book at this time? Yeah. Yeah, I would first of all just say that I feel God quickened me at this time to write it. I think it's like my 11th or 12th book, and it just said, this is what I felt the Holy Spirit stressing on my heart to write about. So I just first of all would say it was the timing of the Holy Spirit. I would go on to say that if you think about the culture that we're living in and the the need that God's people have to be strengthened in their faith to stand against the mindset of the world, which is minimizing the Christian faith, 
now more than ever, at least in my lifetime, I'm 65, I'll be 65 this week, actually. Now in my lifetime, God's people need to understand that Jesus is who he said he was. He's not just a good man that's a good way or a good path to God. He's the only way to the Father. You know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but through me. But Chris, the truth is, is that many people in churches that self-identify as Christians, they are not fully convinced Mm -hmm. in their heart of hearts that Jesus is the only way to God. They can't believe that God would send their next-door neighbor that might be a good person but not a Christian to hell. They can't believe that. Right. And one of the reasons God's people don't fully comprehend the urgency of people receiving Jesus is because they don't understand the principle of the blood that is revealed in the Hebrew Scriptures. When we look in the Hebrew Bible, we see that it was only through the blood that Israel was able to have and maintain a relationship with God. They were delivered out of Egypt by the blood of the Lamb that they had to apply to the doorpost of their home. Mm -hmm. And as many of our listeners know, God told every Israelite family in ancient Egypt 3,500 years ago to, to, to gather a lamb and to, to, to take for themselves a lamb. They actually brought the lamb into their home for some time before they had to put it to death. So the lamb was familiar to them. It was more than just some animal out there. It became part of the family. It was one of them. And then they put the lamb to death. Every family had to put the lamb to death. And it wasn't just that the father put the lamb to death uh, you know, and told the kids, go hide in the house now. I don't want you to see this. But everybody in the family had to take part in putting that lamb to death. This is all a picture of Jesus. We all took part in putting him to death. It was mm-hmm. all our sin. Mm-hmm. And then when they put the da- lamb to death, they collected the blood in a basin. And what I love is the revelation that it wasn't enough for them to just gather the blood and put it in a basin, just like it's not enough to just believe that Jesus died for our sins. They had to take that blood that was in the basin and individually apply it over the doorpost of their home and then go inside the home. And it was only when they personalized it and put that blood over their own home Mm. that they were saved when the destructive angel moved through the land of Egypt Mm -hmm. and punished the Egyptians for their sin. And passed over those homes that had the blood applied personally to their homes. What a beautiful connection. Yeah. Mm. And it goes on, and then and then you see the Lord then delivering Egypt, uh, delivering Israel out of Egypt through the blood of the Lamb, and then He brings them to the wilderness at Mount Sinai, where Moshe Moses goes on top of the mountain. He receives the commandments and the covenant, comes down the mountain, Chris reads the covenant to the people, and they say, "All that the Lord has said, we will do." What does Moses do next? He sprinkles them with blood. Right. Then he recites the entire, uh, the entire uh, holy calendar to them, and he talks about Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, which most of our listeners have at least heard the term Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And what happened on the Day of Atonement? The high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, a special room that only he could go into once a year. He would take the blood of a bull and a goat, pour it on top of the Ark of the Covenant, and the Lord would overlook the sins of the people for the year. For the scripture says in Leviticus 17, 11, the life of the flesh is in the blood. blood. And I've given it to you on the altar, saith the Lord, to make an atonement for your soul. For it's the blood by reason of its life that makes atonement. It's all about the blood. And this is what what, what makes Yeshua, Jesus, so unique. Mm. It's only his blood. It's only his innocent blood 
that was shed on behalf of the guilty, the innocent one dying in the guilty's place, his blood being shed as the symbol of a life that's been given. It is only that means by which sinful man can become acceptable before a holy God. Someone has paid for their sin. And a lot of believers, if if we would get that, Mm. we would be strengthened in our confidence in who Jesus is, that he does bring his people to heaven, and importantly, we would be empowered to be his witnesses, Mm -hmm. which we're here on earth to be. And I'm going to I'm going to close it, but this is so important. It doesn't matter if you're living in Colorado Springs or India. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, a boy or a girl. Our mission is all the same: to preach the gospel to all creation. But we've got to be convinced that Jesus is who He said He was, the only way to heaven. Wow, what what a beautiful summation! And and Rabbi, I, I want to just linger there for a little bit. By the way, if you just joined us, you're listening to. Uh, Crosswalk Colorado Springs. I'm Chris Gould, your host, and Rabbi Kurt Schneider is in the studio. He's got a daily radio program on 100.7 right here every day at 630. It's a half-hour daily teaching program called Discovering the Jewish Jesus. You can go to discoveringthejewishjesus.com for more information. I want to linger there just a little bit because the Bible says, without the shedding of blood— There is no remission of sin. That's it. So there's a lot of people that feel like, do we have to talk about the blood in church? Hey, come on. It's gory enough out there in the world. Do we have to talk about the blood in church? What would you say to someone maybe saying such a thing? Well, it brings us back to the Gospel of John, chapter 6, where Jesus is speaking to the religious elites of his day. and, And he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in yourself. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up on the last day. And they all laughed. <laughs> they, <laughs> they said, what, who, what are you talking about, Jesus? Yeah. They said, they said they, who can listen to this, they said. But that's the thing. It's, 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 we're, not, we're not called to save everybody. We're not called to be accepted. We're not called to be liked. You know, Jesus said, if you're of the world, the world would love you. But because I chose you out of the world— Therefore, the world hates you. Mm. He said, I have chosen you to bear fruit and mm. that your fruit would remain. Our only mission is to share the truth. And if we get rejected by everybody that we share it with, you know what? Praise God. Jesus said, rejoice, because the same thing happened to the prophets that were before you. But we've got to tell the truth. Yes, we sure do. And this book tells the truth. It makes a wonderful connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's titled Messianic Prophecy Revealed, Seeing Messiah in the Pages of the Hebrew Bible. And um, th- this book, now you're, you've been busy uh, doing lots of interviews. Uh, I saw you on the Eric Metaxas show recently. Um, I guess that was, that was taped in New York City. I think you made the trip up there. And, uh, and, and just on lots of radio and TV stations around the country, um, your goal in writing this book is indeed to share the truth. What what else would you like to see accomplished through your new book? Well, I would like to see Jewish people reached. Uh, I think it's important for the church to understand that there's a special call upon the entire church to share our faith in Yeshua with Jewish people. 
Paul, Paul speaks about this in the book of Romans, chapter 9 through 11, and he actually says uh, to, the, to the Gentile church, he says that you have a mission to provoke the Jew to jealousy. Mm. So I'd like to strengthen the church to be able to share their truth with Jewish people by knowing Messianic prophecy, and I would also like to challenge my beloved Jewish brethren with the truth of the Messiah that's revealed in the pages of their own Bible. Friend, if that's you and you're listening right now, we would love to hear from you. There's a contact information page located right at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. Make a connection with this ministry. Make a connection with Rabbi Schneider. Let him know you were listening to 100.7 The Word right here in Colorado Springs, and uh, we'd love to hear about that connection in the days and weeks and months to come. So uh, we're going to take another break. We'll be right back and talking more with Rabbi Kurt Schneider on 100.7 The Word. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to 100.7 The Word. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs. I'm your host today, Chris Gould, and I'm in the studio with Rabbi Kurt Schneider from Discovering the Jewish Jesus. He's written a fascinating new book titled Messianic Prophecy Revealed, Seeing Messiah in the Pages of the Hebrew Bible. So I've got a question for you, Rabbi. On the road to Emmaus... Mm -hmm. Jesus explained in detail all that was spoken about him in Moses and the prophets. But in the book of Luke, Luke didn't really give us any specific details about what was shared during that journey. But your book gives us great insight into that conversation. Jesus, or Yeshua, can truly be seen throughout the Old Testament. Can you help us make that connection a little stronger? Yeah, what's really interesting about that experience where Yeshua's on the road to Emmaus with his disciples, the apostles, and he appeared in a form that they didn't recognize it was him. In other words, this man comes up and approaches Jesus' apostles, and they were completely downcast. I mean, they had left everything to follow Yeshua, and now they didn't know what happened to him. They heard he was crucified. They had no idea that he had risen from the dead. They uh, were not convinced of that. They were just broken. And um, uh, the world had been pulled out from underneath their feet. So as they're in this downcast state, walking towards Emmaus, the stranger approaches them. At least to them, it looked like a stranger. It was Yeshua. And this stranger took them on a journey through the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, and revealed to them all the things concerning the Messiah in the Hebrew Bible. Then he opened their eyes. And they saw that it was Jesus with them, and they understood all the prophecies in the Hebrew Bible, how they all pointed to this one who had been crucified and now had risen from the grave. And the point is, is that it's not easy sometimes to recognize some of the prophecies in the Hebrew Bible as immediately pointing to the Messiah. You have to actually have revelation and a a pulling away of the blind to be able to see, wow, That scripture that Hosea wrote was talking about the Messiah. That scripture in the book of Micah, that was about the Messiah. 
And so that's what we do in my book, Messianic Prophecy Revealed. We go through these prophecies that the New Testament writers used after they had been enlightened by Yeshua, and we show how Yeshua brought the Hebrew Bible to its climax and end, and indeed how the entire Hebrew Bible pointed to Messiah Yeshua. What I'm excited about when I hear you explain this is many of us in the church, maybe we've been saved 5, 10, 15, some 20, 30, 40 years, we almost take it for granted when we hear the words, oh, Jesus fulfilled 419 prophecies in the Old Testament or whatever the number is. Right. Uh, And we just say, okay, good, that kind of gives me confidence and we move on from there. But what you're helping us to do in this book is to make this personal connection to these prophecies so that Jesus can work through his word in our lives in a stronger, more meaningful way. That's a really important point. Oftentimes, uh, some of God's people have heard it declared from the pulpit that Jesus fulfilled over 300 messianic prophecies in the Old Testament, and the chance or likelihood of one person being able to do that is mathematically impossible. Therefore, Jesus is the Messiah. But it's a bit of a misleading statement, Chris, and the reason is many of the prophecies that the New Testament writers said that Jesus fulfilled are not predictive prophecies that can be scientifically measured. So that, for example, in the book of Matthew chapter 2, after Joseph had taken Jesus into Egypt as an infant because Herod was killing the infant Hebrew children because he had heard that the Messiah was born and he was wanting to kill the Messiah, so he was therefore trying to kill all the infant male Hebrew children. So in response to that, the angel appears to Joseph. The angel says to Joseph, take the child into Egypt. Joseph keeps Jesus in Egypt till the time that he was approximately two to four years old. Then Herod died. Then the angel reappears to Joseph, tells Joseph to take Jesus back into Israel. And then Matthew quotes that story. He tells the story, and then he quotes the scripture from Hosea 11.1, which states that, out of Egypt did I call my son. So Matthew says that the scripture might be fulfilled, out of Egypt did I call my son. But when you go to Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, and read that same statement, out of Egypt did I call my son, it's really not a prophecy in the sense that people would ordinarily understand prophecy. It's not a prediction about the future. What's actually happening there is Isaiah is just recounting Israel's past history, that back in ancient Egypt, God saved his people out of Egypt. So what's happening? What's happening is, is that Matthew is showing how Jesus fulfills Israel's history by living out in his own life the same thing that Israel lived out. Jesus is Israel's divine head or divine representative. So he goes through in his life the same thing that Israel went through. Moses is on top of the mountain 40 days. Jesus goes into the wilderness 40 days. So messianic prophecy, it's not all predictive. Mm -hmm. And to understand how the New Testament writers use messianic prophecy, you have to have a rabbinic mindset. Because sometimes it's more of an art than a science and more poetry than Let, math. Let's, let's, let's linger there just a little bit because I think that's really, really important because, you know, most people consider prophecy to be predictive about the future, that they get fulfilled, you know, one and once and for all, you know, for all time. But 
the Jewish or Hebraic understanding of prophecy is much broader yes. than that. Can you can you help us with that concept? It's very it's very true. And back to the time of the first century, the way that the sages, the Pharisees, the uh, the religious leaders used the scriptures was multidimensional. Even today, if you go into a yeshiva, which is a house of Jewish learning where not only young boys study, but also boys that are preparing for the rabbinate. The way that it works, Chris, is you're, you have a partner in the yeshiva, and you're sitting across from your partner. You're looking at a text from the scriptures or the Talmud, and you and your partner go back and forth trying to give as many different interpretations as possible. So it's like this thing where you're like evolving, and it's like, filled with all these colors and textures and shades. And that's the way the New Testament writers use some of the Old Testament scriptures in conjunction with saying that Jesus fulfilled it. So it's not all predictive. It's many shades and colors. Now, just a little pause there. Some might be thinking, well, you know, from a theological point of view, you know, uh, God's word has, you know, a particular meaning or, you know, God's wanting to communicate a particular doctrine. And so to have all these multi-interpretations, is that theologically strong? But you're talking about the rigor of going back and forth and expanding, not agreeing that every interpretation that's shared is true and accurate. Exactly. So what I'm that's 100% right, and thank you for making the point, because I'm not simply saying that we can give a scripture any interpretation we want, and it's all the same. But I'm just saying that in the minds of the first century writers of the New Testament, there was an element of uh, using the scripture that was beyond just predictive. And so the way that Matthew, for example, used the scripture that I just quoted from Matthew chapter 2, he was using that scripture, out of Egypt that I call my son, and he was tying it to Yeshua as Israel's divine representative, that what Israel went through, Jesus also went through in his own life, therefore filling Israel's his history up with meaning and fulfilling that scripture. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, that's the voice of Rabbi Kurt Schneider. He's the author of a dozen books, his most recent book, Messianic Prophecy Revealed, Seeing Messiah in the Pages of the Hebrew Bible. A fascinating read. It's an easy read. It's a compelling read. I recommend you get it. One way to get it would be go to discoveringthejewishjesus.com. Uh, easy to pick it up there or wherever books are sold. When we come back, we've got a break coming up. I want to talk about <clears throat> uh, the Jewish holidays when we come back. Just, you know, in, in your book, you make it very clear that these aren't just Jewish holidays, but they're holy days of the Lord. And I want to help our listeners make that connection. When we get back, again, you're listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs uh, on 100.7 The Word FM. Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Good God Almighty, I hope you'll find me. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. I'm sitting in today for Pastor Eric Cartier who is off today at a pastor's conference. My name's Chris Gould, and I'm delighted to have Rabbi Kurt Schneider in the studio for our final segment 
And Pastor, as we went to break, uh, I wanted you to expand a little bit uh, on these Jewish holy days. They're not just holidays, Mm -hmm. but they're holy days of the Lord. How do you believe uh, that the biblical feasts can be significant to today's followers of Christ? Yeah, well, they fully are. And the way that they're actually introduced in the Hebrew scriptures in Leviticus or the book of Vayikra, we say in Hebrew chapter 23, is the Lord says, these are my appointed days, saith the Lord. So they're never actually introduced as Jewish holidays. The scriptures actually introduce them as Yahweh's holy days, his appointed days. They're, uh, they're called the Mikra, they're holy convocations, and they all uh, had application in their original historical context, which were just familiar to Israel. But they also had greater application in the sense that they were fulfilled in Messiah Yeshua, Messiah Jesus. So, for example, it's really stunning that the Scripture says they had come to take Jesus, Yeshua, by force, but his time had not yet come. But when did his time come? On Passover. It's no accident that Yeshua was crucified on Passover. Paul said, Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed. And the last meal that Yeshua ate with his disciples before going to the cross was a Passover Seder meal. Mm -hmm. So very, very specific. Yeshua was crucified on Passover to show that he is the fulfillment of these first one of God's holy days. And the truth is, is that all of these holy days in Leviticus 23 that people often think of as just the Jewish holidays, they're all fulfilled in the person of Messiah Jesus. Therefore, they're applicable for every Christian, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. These feasts also remind us each year of the key truths of our redemption. So Passover, the the, the fact that Jesus shed his blood and died for our sins. And then he's buried, the next holy day is unleavened bread. And unleavened bread, to me, speaks about the fact that when God called Israel out of Egypt to leave on the night of their deliverance, he said to them, when you hear my voice, I want you to leave in haste immediately. Don't wait for the bread to rise. It reminds us of the principle of instant and full obedience. Jesus died becoming obedient to the point of death, and God is calling you and I, Chris, into full and instant obedience to be conformed to the image of his Son. And then the next appointed holy day is called the Feast of Firstfruits, which is all about the resurrection. And it's interesting that Jesus is the firstfruit. He's actually called the firstfruits of those that will rise from the dead. So if Yeshua is the first fruit, there must be a second fruit and a third fruit, a fourth fruit, and so on, and that's you and I. So once again, these holy days, these are all days that had application in their initial historical context for Israel alone, but furthermore, they had a future fulfillment which took place through Messiah Yeshua and as such have application for the entire church. Listen, the Spirit of the Lord came when? On Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. A lot of God's people don't realize that when those disciples were gathered together in the upper room in Acts 2, this was not, you know, a new holiday. This was not like, this was not the assemblies of God coming together for their convention in the first century, okay, Mm -hmm. when the Spirit of the Lord came. These were Jews that had been celebrating the same day, we call it in Hebrew, Shavuot. Shavuot means weeks, because it took place seven weeks in a day. 
Pentecost just means 50. It's just the Greek language. It's the same holy day. They were there celebrating a Jewish holiday from Leviticus 23. Why they're remembering how the Lord appeared to them at Mount Sinai 1,500 years earlier and revealed himself in fire and wrote his law on the tablets of stone, suddenly that same God, Chris, appeared in the upper room, once again revealing himself in fire, this time filling him with his spirit and writing his law in their hearts. So Shavuot, or Pentecost, is the fulfillment in Acts 2 of what Jewish people had already been celebrating for 1,500 years. So all these days are really um, very, very important. Jesus said to the woman at the well in John 4, he said, Woman, you don't know what you worship. We know we worship for salvation is from the Jews. Every Christian can be, can be um, strengthened and blessed by learning more about the Jewish roots of their faith in Christ. Well, that that's really—I mm-hmm. want to just linger there mm-hmm. for a little bit, because as you just even explained the connection here, it makes me want to connect in a deeper way. How could we do that in the evangelical church that we're attending here, you know, yeah. in, in America, not just in Colorado Springs, in Boston, wherever? Yeah. How can we make that connection— and make it more meaningful? Well, you know, I'm just going to put a plug in for my own ministry, only because I feel like we're very careful to be balanced. So that's what we do at Discovering the Jewish Years. We help God's people understand how the Old and New Testaments connect like a hand in a glove and understand the Jewish roots of their faith without going so far that people lose track of Jesus and get enamored with Judaism. See, that's why I said, that's why I'm reluctant to tell people just to go search it out, because there's a lot of people that are teaching the Jewish roots, but they go like too far because people start to get go under the law or they start to get so romanced by Judaism. They, they, they Now they're chasing after, you know, Judaism rather than Jesus. So I think that the way for God's people to, to go deeper in this is to find teachers that are teaching the Jewish roots of the Christian faith in a balanced way so that Yeshua, so that Jesus is center still. Mm-hmm. So it's about being led by the Spirit and then learning how we can apply the Hebrew Bible to our own life as we're pursuing the Father through Jesus and being led by the Spirit. Well, it's beautiful. And if you want to connect with Rabbi Kurt Schneider and his ministry, it's titled Discovering the Jewish Jesus. And the website is the same, discoveringthejewishjesus.com. Of course, your program is on here locally every day, Monday through Friday, 6.30 to 7. I said it earlier, you know, I'm often leaving the radio station at that time. And so I've personally had the opportunity to listen and to be blessed. One of the things that blesses me every time I listen is your ability to connect the Old Testament with the New Testament in some new insightful way that's encouraging and and empowering. It's equipping to hear how Jesus is spoken about all throughout the Old Testament and how you help us to connect it to the New Testament. I've heard a, a few modern-day teachers and preachers talk about kind of unhitching your wagon to the Old Testament <clears throat> mm-hmm. because you know nowadays I mean that's just you're not you're not going to win people to Christ 
by spending a lot of time in the Old Testament, especially the book of Leviticus. And I hear those words, and it just makes me sad inside, Mm -hmm. because God gave us the whole Bible, all 66 books of the Bible, and it's all about Jesus. It's history, but it's also his story Mm -hmm. in the book of the Bible. But when I hear some of these folks talking that way, it really makes me sad. Yeah. To, to to say let's unhitch our wagon from the Old Testament. We we really just need to talk about Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I think people need a good teacher, you know, because it is true that Christians uh, sometimes if they begin to read through the Bible, they do get disillusioned and lost when they get to the Book of Leviticus or the Book of Numbers, and they have a hard time understanding how it applies to them and making sense of it or how it applies to Jesus. So it does help to have a good teacher. Mm-hmm. that can help God's people see God's purpose for their life in the Hebrew Bible and help them gain confidence in the person of Yeshua through understanding the Hebrew Scriptures. One of the things, Chris, that's really lost to God's people as a result of not knowing the Hebrew Scriptures is the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. You, you see in the Hebrew Scripture not just the respect of the Lord that's being taught today in many churches, mm-hmm. not just that we ought, no, we fear him. Yeah. The fear of the Lord is clean. Yeah. I'm not talking about a crippling fear. Right. I'm talking about the fear of the Lord that leads to the cleansing of the soul. There's mm-hmm. no contradiction between the love of God and the fear of God. It's two sides of the same diamond. So when Christians don't have a grounding in the Hebrew Scriptures, they wind up with the shallow understanding of who God is and sometimes a, a bad understanding of who He is. Well, Pastor, I, I couldn't have said it any better. I mean, what what a wonderful way to pull our time together to a close. I'm so grateful for you and the ministry, your expansion here, and then also around the country. May God continue to bless you. One thing I'm going to ask you to do, if you don't mind, you end every program Mm -hmm. with the ironic blessing. Mm -hmm. It's a blessing to us. It's been a personal blessing to me. Would you please close our time with the ironic blessing? Yava Rechecha Yahweh Vayishma Recha Yair Yahweh Penavelecha Vichunecha Yahweh Penavelecha Veasem Lecha Shalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift you up, beloved one, with his countenance, and may Yahweh give you his peace. As empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough, then you came along. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.